Unplug it to the Agora's Nexus We need the whole community connected We're the alternative collective Self-sufficient and effective The Gorse Nexus Podcast. I'm Jeremiah Harding, here joined today by Monica Perez. Deep Dives with Monica Perez, available on all podcasting platforms. Before we get into it, I want to say this is brought to you by PreSearch, a decentralized, privacy-forward uh, search engine and sort of crypto uh, project. They're branching out into other projects right now, uh, but they focus on a privacy-focused, uh, decentralized search and it lets you earn their in-house cryptocurrency pre-tokens for searching. You can also stake those for advertising on the platform, and you can use all of this to get better results than you would from Google, which you can use with more privacy than ever using their in-house Google search and all the other major providers without them tracking you or sending your information to the NSA. So with all that being said, uh, it's brought to you by that, Agora Staker Seeds, uh, use code Nexus uh, for 20% off your order to start building your post-apocalyptic seed bank today. And you're going to need it because of what we're going to talk about today. Deep Dives with Monica Perez. Uh, she talks like conspiracies, the latest sort of edge. And uh, I thought uh, it would be a very appropriate guest uh, to have on the show. So how are you doing today, Monica? Very well, thank you. I'm a little jet lags. I got back from... I got back from Japan last week. I had a little uh, tags along on a husband's business trip. And so I'm not sure I'm completely up on the latest news, <laughs> but I, I have a lot of a lot of deep research on some recent topics I'm happy to share with you. Yeah, we, we connected during the Ohio train derailment. And um, the like, we, we've been mutuals for six or seven years now. It's been a long time. Um, but the, uh, the Ohio train derailment sort of is what brought us back together in this regard. And, uh, that's one primary thing I want to discuss because, you know, a fuck Norfolk Southern and B the whole, like everything surrounding that from the EPA telling people it was safe, uh, when demonstrably you could go to the water sources and see fucking oil slicks. Um, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't safe. It was never safe. It was always carcinogenic. And when it's funny, when you look up the official government instructions on cleanup of this sort of thing, they say evacuate the whole area for like 30 days. So it's weird to me. It's weird to yeah. me that this was just considered fine uh, immediately. Um, and it's weird in, in the sort of sense of I don't like it. It's not weird in the sense of it's abnormal. The government regularly covers up terrible things when it benefits them. So Speaking of government cover-ups, uh, what's your take on that? Well, there were so many weird details of that of that story. And I'll tell you, the first time I just saw it flit across the screen, a headline, and it had a picture on it, my first thought was, wow, that picture looks just like that movie I was watching with my sister the other day on Netflix. And uh, it, we watched like an hour of this show, this movie. It was like an hour and a half movie. And I just never gave it another thought. And then I realized that that movie was basically about an identical crisis. And it was filmed in the same town, in East Palestine, in Ohio. Mm -hmm. 
So it would just blew my mind. It's like, wow, I knew nothing of that. I just saw that image. And I was like, wow, that looks just like that movie. And the movie was made, I think, a few years ago, but it was being pushed on Netflix. I would never have sought that out. So that's strange. And I feel like, you know, there's a whole, there's so many different layers to the story that I think are interesting. And one of them is that in that case, they, they're really, I think they're looking for a certain amount of, I guess they call it gaslighting, whatever they want conspiracy people to be like, can't, can't you see this? Can't you see how obvious this is? And it's too freaky for normies to even like comprehend. So you'll show them and they'll just, they'll say, that's just too weird. Like, I don't, I don't understand it. And they'll like gloss over it, but it's too weird. It's it, so if you want to think that that story is in any way, like what you see is what you get. You just have to go back to that fact and know that it can't be, there has to be more to the story. And that's why, like, I always try to say what you see is what you get. And nine out of 10 times, the stuff that actually makes the mainstream media from coast to coast for a week straight or more, it is not what you see is what you get. There's an agenda there. And, and that just was like the number one signal to me that there's definitely an agenda. And we can talk about the many agendas if you want. Well, and, and so like with that regard, like, one of the things that was the most fucking frustrating with this thing, I gotta say, like, this was really the icing on the cake. I could ask people why they exploded it, why they intentionally yes. exploded it, and then these people will, with a straight fucking face, tell me they exploded it because if they didn't do that, it might have exploded. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, I know. Like, yeah, it, it might have it might have caused a whole lot of damage. So they caused right. a whole lot of damage. Yes, right. Better to of, make it happen. Yes. And so, uh, yeah, there are proper like cleanup instructions. You're supposed to build right. dams. You're supposed to use sorbents. You're supposed to evacuate all of the local area for a long time and not tell them to get back to work. Fucking wagey. You're supposed to say all of this. They didn't do any of that. They they yeah. Go. And I think I think you're supposed to or my first initial thing is that so the way I kind of think of the world is I I just try to look at something and think, well, what what would you do if you had to deal with this problem? So I'm not reading their protocols. I'm not an expert. Um, but I just think like, what would you do if you had that problem? And I've had problems like that before, like you spill something or like you have, um, a bucket of, you know, a canister of bleach and there's a hole in the bottle. Like, what are you going to do? Like, you got to deal with it. And so my first reaction was, okay, you, what you do is you take that toxic thing. It's not so, it can't possibly have been so volatile that it can't be transferred from unit to unit, or it wouldn't have been in a train like that. I think it might even have been classified as non, like not a super high level of toxicity. So what would you do? You would drain it off into a container that was suitable for it. So there's like as minimal as much as there uh, of the stuff that you actually have to remediate. And they didn't look like they did that. And um, so that just didn't pass the smell test for me. And I believe that when I did dig in, it does actually say in the protocols that that's how you're supposed to do it. You're supposed to drain it off, whatever. And they, or maybe you drain the residual into a ditch. But they, I think that from what I could tell from the reporting, they drained it all into the ditch. Like they literally lit this thing up and, uh, and it caught fire. So, so. Another thing about that that I thought was weird is so I look at it and I and 
the reporting seems to have changed over time where now they refer to fires like the at the moment when it derailed. And mm -hmm. from the pictures I've seen from the dates on the on the articles from like wiki entries that are dated. If you click through, you can see when the images were uploaded. I could not find any verification that there was a significant fire immediately. Like there was that kind of danger immediately. I think they're just showing you the post blow up fire and letting, making you think that was a natural disaster when it was a decision that somebody made. Also, you're supposed to clear brush and I didn't see any brush cleared. Like they didn't move in there with like brush clearance mechanisms. They didn't prevent any sort. You're supposed to clear ignition sources. And what did they do? They added ignition sources in the form of blasting caps. Like they planted <laughs> charges and yeah. they said, this is a good, it might explode. So we have to explode it. Um, and we're not going to drain it. We're not going to. So if, if some of it falls into the soil, you're supposed to transfer the contaminated stuff to buckets so that it doesn't run off. You're supposed to use sorbents. You're supposed to build a dam around the spill area. They didn't do any of that. Instead, they just said, hey, fuck it. You can breathe this and it'll poison your water. And fuck you, you like Ohio slash uh, Pennsylvania. Well, there was other things, too, in that I believe like when I looked at it, it looks like it was like a chlorine thing, like chlor vinyl chlorine yeah. or something. Vinyl chloride. Yeah, there is, there's chlorine in my water. Like they put chlorine in water. So, so it seemed to me, and I think after I did my show on it, I think Dr. Lee Merritt did some research. She's numerous people sent me her treatment of this and she's she's a scientist so she gets it no but seriously she's like a person who's used to reading scientific papers and she seems to have the utmost integrity so she points at some of this stuff out too like chlorine in the water isn't necessarily something that will kill you but lighting it on fire and breathing it might like you know was that really did they really take the time to or either take the time to evaluate it or just consult the protocols that are already established for those kind of products. And, and she, she said something that I absolutely thought there is a lot of panic, a lot of panic being generated. And when I heard Neil Cavuto liken this to nine 11, well, you know, they had all that like ash, they had all this thing that had like, you know, you just don't know what the impact is over time. I'm thinking they're trying to scare us. And so now I'm thinking it's not as bad as they said. There's not, as, and that's what Dr. Lee was saying. Also, like it, she actually was verifying, like it's not that toxic, a chemical. But if they scare you and you have no way of objectively verifying that it's super scary, and it happens to be in a place that uh, is where the Amish are, where people may start homesteading, Midnight Mike of the OBDM podcast, uh, he lives around there. A lot of Amish are around there, and I know that he homesteads there, and they're scaring you, reducing property values. It seemed to me that the that the cries of toxicity and the drama of the explosion were meant to stamp that place toxic, and that's because that's what the propaganda tells me. I I have to view it with skepticism. Well, I I can understand that. I saw a bunch of uh, like amateur videos, like like common vi people's videos about the situation from a local perspective. And what I saw, people's chickens were dying, their pets were dying, 
large amounts of dead fish in local rivers uh, just floating up from the bottom, just like you could see sheets of dead fish that were covering the top of rivers. Um, and so to me, when I see this, I see like I can understand the the scaring people thing, but I think the scaring people thing also came with poisoning the land thing in, <laughs> yeah. in like in, in a scary. way. Yeah, well, it's like, you know, have you heard of Red Hill? Red Hill is a, a military slash oil storage installation in Oahu. And um, it's like it, it, it like I think still at this point leaking jet fuel because they stored jet fuel in these massively unstable tanks. And it was for like an Air Force base so that they could refuel because the U.S. invaded Hawaii and stole it from the locals in order to use it as an expanded military base so that they could threaten Japan. Um, and that's why they, you know, were totally fine with World War Two. The whole point of having the Hawaiian bases there to begin with was so that they could pretend they didn't know Pearl Harbor was going to happen so that they would have a day that would live in infamy. Um, yeah, and, so you they, know, Hawaii was not a state at that time, so it nope. was not really an invasion. And Hawaii is the most remote land on Earth. Did you know that? Like, so it is it probably has the most military value of any place on Earth because it's the furthest from all other land, if I if I understand correctly, the geography. Would not surprise me. Yeah, and so it's super valuable. It's obviously a military place, and it was a draw. They provoked it. And my father actually was in the Pacific in the Navy during World War II, if you can believe that. Uh, people have like, like, that can't be true. But I'm the youngest of nine. He was older when I was born. And uh, he when he came back, Right after that, he there was a book I found or I inherited when he died called uh, Backdoor to War. And it, and he had an original copy from the 50s with all his margin notes like he was pissed <laughs> that FDR yeah. knew it was coming. It was all State Department documents. So obviously, yeah, there's a lot there. But um, but yeah, they they abuse they definitely abused that place uh, for sure. Yeah, and then used it as a massive sugar plantation, basically enslaving the locals because the U.S. has a long history of enslaving um, and abusing basically everyone everywhere. And this is just the latest abuse in that long train of abuses where the water supplies are being poisoned by actually just jet fuel um, because their storage tanks in this uh, Red Hill installation started leaking and leaking directly into the public water supply. And they basically did the effect of like, you know how some dudes, like when they when they spill something in their apartment or whatever, they're just slobs and they'll just like put a <laughs> shirt around it yeah, yeah. Where it's to prevent it from spreading, but they won't yeah. clean up the actual thing. And then later they might just like take up the corners of the shirt. Yeah. And just like, <laughs> yeah. Well, this they, they, they're doing that. It's like that, but with like plastic, like edging. So they'll like sort of guide it into this into the drainage ditches, but they're not actually shutting down Red Hill. As far as I'm aware, Red Hill is still open. And even if it's closed now, it's only after a really fucking long time of protests from the locals from you can look up hashtag shut down Red Hill. Um, Abby Martin of the Empire Files um, breaking the set. She uh, did this really good series of exposés on it, and it's what sort of opened my eyes to it. And um the the whole thing there is that when like when they can just get away with poisoning things, they won't even shut it down. 
because it's still too profitable to them. <laughs> yeah, right. And because that would be shutting down a massive fuel depot in their like near their military installations. And the military industrial complex always comes before the health of the people. It's the reason that a hundred billion dollars has been sent to Ukraine while Ohio is poisoned. Is it you know, up to a hundred billion, right? It's close, I'm sure. Well, it's a hundred billion from international sources as okay, of the end right. of last year. Yeah. And but we have the majority of that. Yeah, well, and, and also because that's the other part of it. The U.S. is the world's largest arms exporter. Pretty much all of the, the arms like that we gave to Ukraine, well, the U.S., not me, but like, or you, but yeah, I know, the U.S. I know. gave to Ukraine came from U.S. weapons manufacturers, but the U.S. also does the weapons manufacturing for other countries. So like Lockheed Martin, Northrop Grumman, Boeing, um, you know, all these people, uh, with the possible exception of like a few select enterprises, they are all directly uh, supporting U.S. E economic interests, even if uh, they aren't directly getting money from the U.S. to give to Ukraine. So the U.S. recouped a lot of its losses in terms of direct money given to these projects because the U.S. just got more money in terms of tax and uh, like import revenue and shit. Well, one thing that drives me crazy about something that you're talking about, like another just logical what the heck, is if you look at the defense budget of the world, the U.S. consistently spends 50 percent of every defense dollar. And my argument is, who is our enemy? Like the only way that would make sense is if the entire rest of the world is united against us. And even then it wouldn't make sense because there would be 200 budgets of like border, you know, border defense, like nobody would have the ability to have a massed externally you right. know, economical. So, so what could possibly be a legitimate threat to that? Well, the only thing that could possibly be a legitimate threat to that is stuff that we make and give to people as a threat to us. So I always thought it would, you know what I mean? Like we're the ones who are making the cutting edge technology and the stuff that we're always trying to stay ahead of is stuff that came from us in the first place or, or our close, like, you know, real ally partners. And I feel like any, I, I'm okay with the defense budget, whatever you want, but no company that, that contracts with the U.S., government for arms should be able to sell arms to any other country. And the U.S. should not be able to sell arms to any other country. Keep our super high-tech arms to ourselves and see what everybody else comes up with and then react to that instead of arming the world. I mean, that feels like what Oppenheimer did. He's like, I had to give Russia the, you know, like, oh my God. It's, it's like I did this with my husband. It's so funny. I, uh, I'm really good arguer, but I'm not always right. So he was just like, what, what are you talking about? And I said, okay, I'm wrong here, but you're not getting the argument right. So I'm going to tell you the argument. <laughs> this is where I'm wrong. He's like, man, like just have a glass of wine. But I, my point is that sometimes you have to give the other guy the weapon if you want to have an interesting fight. <laughs> yeah. And uh, well, yeah. And so I, I just feel like you could completely de-escalate the entire world of armaments by not allowing anyone with U.S. funded technology to deal arms to anyone else. Well, and, and here's the fun part. So are you familiar with uh, Operation Cyclone? You probably are, right? Yes. Which one was that? There's so many. I know. Jimmy I've Carter and Zbigniew Brzezinski oh, yes, and the CIA yes, helped them. Yes, Mojave. Charlie Wilson's war. Yeah. So the, the, the whole thing there was that the U.S. created the basis for Al-Qaeda, Al-Nusra, ISIS, ISIL, the Taliban. Definitely. And then, like, right before 9-11, um, 
like which was immediately blamed on the chief uh, asset of the U.S., Tim yes, Osman. Yes. Uh, right before 9-11, <laughs> the U.S. gives the Taliban government straight up gives them fifty three million dollars. And why? Because they said they were going to criminalize opium, which they did. But then they kept selling it. That's what everybody admitted to later. They kept selling the opium and they became like a chief exporter of opium in the local area at premium because it was now illegal. So they got a huge amount of money, not only from the U.S. government to stop the spread of opium, but also then to enhance the trade in the local region of opium, uh, thus creating the basis for the Afghan poppy wars um, that would be part of the basis for the U.S. staying involved in the Afghanistan conflict for as long as they were. And this was right before 9-11 that they just give the Taliban $53 million. And we're supposed to believe that the Middle Eastern boogeyman was responsible and not the U.S. government. Meanwhile, the U.S. government loses track of trillions during the during the uh, the, the 9-11 incident. They have World Trade Center 7 collapse. Um with nothing having hit it uh they, so crazy they have like a this this brilliant flight maneuver hitting the pentagon and then basically nothing left over um you know it totally wasn't a missile that was absolutely a plane um you know i i have to say that because this will be on youtube um, <laughs> but the, i mean the, i don't the, really know the detail of that that one is a little bit of a mystery to me but i mean it's so obvious the whole thing is so obvious and i yeah. was just talking to somebody recently Who's like, you know, I did a lot of research into it and I, you know, I think the official narrative makes sense. Like, this is how buildings pancake and stuff. And I'm like, you know what? He, and he's trying to convince me. I'm like, I can't, I am not thinking about this anymore. Like that, if you have not concluded that this was an inside job by now, you're, I mean, you're never going to, you're never going yeah. to. There's something about the way people think. Like I was saying before about the big explosion for the trains. Like if you can't see that that thing was identical, like the same imagery as something that was filmed in the town and pushed by Netflix recently. I mean, I don't know why they gaslight us like that, but it could be just to create well, divisions because the people who I show that to think I'm crazy. Well, <laughs> like, I'm not I, crazy, I, you're just stupid. <laughs> well, and, and what I'll say about that is True Stream Media put out a great video on that. If anybody wants to watch it, it's like an hour long. Really? Um, it's very it's it, on that Netflix special specifically. They do they do that a lot. They do really good work. But the the general thing there, like so, that's one strain, right? And then are are you familiar with uh, the Galen Org? Mm, I don't. Doesn't ring a bell. Does not ring Re a bell. Reinhard Galen was an ex high Nazi official. He ran Nazi spy rings that would spy in Russia, and Reinhard Galen was later conscripted by the U.S. government to re sort of revive his spy ring so that they could use it in Russia. So the so it was uh, like a Gladio thing. like so the Nazis were re like revived partially by the Galen organization, and that was partially through the CIA. Um, like the U.S. government literally helped a bunch of Nazis both sanitize their image. As you know, yeah, oh, these like the artichoke. That was artichoke, right? Yeah. Well, and so they did that. NATO, high commanders in original NATO were Nazis. The Bundeswehr is literally just ex-Nazis, um, and it still exists. Um, I think that's the stay-behind thing, the Gladio. Yeah, 
Operation Gladio, where they just had Nazis everywhere, you know? Yes. The, yeah. 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 Well, and I figure you can get into that shortly. And, and the reason I bring all that up, like also in the 60s, the U.S. would start material support for Ukrainian Nazis, Ukrainian nationalists. Stefan Bandera. Yeah. And like all of these like sort of gradual buildups um, built up the Nazi presence that they could later use as just, you know, NASA paperclip. Uh, they could later use as a justification for saying there's far right violence in the U.S. Yeah, you did that, bitch. You know, the U.S. government did that to us. They gave us the far right extremist presence and used when? all of this sanitization language in order to make it seem OK. And then they ratlined a bunch of people out. Hitler's probably like, you know, he lived to an old age in Argentina or something. You know, there's all this fucking like. I don't believe anything they say because they are Nazi farmers who will fund whatever far right organization using Russia as an excuse. And now they're just sanitizing the image of Azov Battalion, right sector, uh, Svoboda, Patriot of Ukraine, all of these people that like literally the CIA is running cover for with their Radio Free program, because Radio Free is a program of CIA uh, National Endowment for Democracy. You know who they, used to run that? I Go think Tucker Carlson's father used to run that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> well, and the and like that's the other thing is that uh, people act like, oh yeah, there there are alternative uh, media figures in the mainstream. No, there aren't. They're they're all serving the same. Rupert Murdoch is a massive Nazi shill. Like the whole thing sucks. I don't know? know Rupert Murdoch's backstory, but I I will say um, as far as what you're saying, I think uh, yeah, Hitler's suicide is impossible to believe. Like, it's just, he had somebody burn the body and the guy did it. Like, it's just impossible to believe for me. We dropped Osama bin Laden in the ocean. Yeah, a while later. <laughs> they even made, like, a joke commercial out of it. Did you see that commercial of, like, that you saw that? I didn't. Oh, there's, like, it's, I, I honestly, I don't know what it's for. It probably isn't actually for the Air Force, but it feels like an Air Force commercial. It's not. But there's, like, two guys in the Air Force um, sitting and they have Obama's Osama bin Laden's that's another weird coincidence um body between them on a helicopter and something happens and one of them just like you know looks off in the wrong direction the body falls out of the plane and they're like that was on purpose <laughs> so it was like, like a tv commercial for maybe it was for coke i don't know what it was for it was like it's like and it's like mistakes happen it's like this is the craziest thing but the but as far as fascism far right in the us i feel like that I understand they brought the scientists in after the war to work on whatever the moon landing, huh? Um, but I feel like this whole right wing thing has been highly manufactured recently. And I remember I was listening to Howard Stern. I, I don't usually listen to it. For some reason it was on and it was a rerun and they were, they had been trying to find like a, a, a far right, a white supremacist, like rock band. Like they were like, there's, you know, there's this underground network of white supremacists and they just couldn't find it. This was maybe a decade or so ago. They just couldn't find it. They had to give it. They're like, they're so far underground. We can't find it. I mean, I just don't, I, I'm not convinced there was any material organized presence of white supremacists outside that, which was promoted by the government, even like with, to the point where Tim, Timothy McVeigh and the militias and stuff like that, 
even the Klan like was highly, highly infiltrated by the government. I think the FBI even like almost a hundred years ago already. So I feel like they, they capital T, they put a lot of effort into this divisiveness. And I think that also like folds back into the derailment thing in that why are they showing, pushing that documentary and then blasting it in front of me to know so people think I'm crazy. Like they are really committed to conflict as the essence of the foundation of, of whatever it is they're planning. And I, and I feel like that right wing stuff, I mean, cause something I've been hearing a lot lately is this expression that the replacement, they're replacing us. I was talking to my West Indian friend from Birmingham Noble of the CFR network the other day. And he was like, they're replacing us. So he is a West Indian, the child of West Indian immigrants in Birmingham. And he feels like he's being replaced by, I don't know what, like Iraqi immigrants or something like that. And, but he used the word replacement. And I remember that Charlottesville, was it, where they had the Robert E. Lee statue? I think that was it. I think it was in Charlottesville, not Charleston. There were two. Yeah, there was, was like a shooting. Light, yeah, there was a parade, right? So so if you listen closely, and they would play this on Fox and CNN, if you listen closely, there's a chant saying, you will not replace us. You will not replace us. Well, and, and it's not just that. It's also yeah. Jews because they're anti-Semitic. Well, it's the, the Jew, they're saying that Jews are plotting to replace them with other races like that's the theory but it's a theory i never ever heard of and they were chanting it at this rally and then that was being broadcast like even if you had any love of this country if that were true the media the government should have some common sense policy to not blast stuff that's hateful and damaging in the name of not liking it you know what I mean? If you like it, I got, I understand why you're blasting it. But if you don't like it, so I had never heard it before. And now, now, a couple of years later, I'm hearing it all the time. And I just, I feel like that, that makes me think that they wanted that to take fire. They want, you know, they want that stuff. And, you know, I don't, I mean, I'm interested if you notice this stuff, I have ideas of what it may be about, like where, where they're going with it. But I mean, does this, does this sound well, crazy to you? They're definitely manufacturing division. One of the things, um, and, and like, here's, here's where like, I get controversial potentially with some people, but, um, I believe like the. Uh, far right uh, stuff involving trans people recently has been to divide. Like, for instance, yesterday I re I uh, followed up because uh, I the day before had responded to uh, one of the gays for groomer gays against groomers uh, accounts on Twitter, um, and they they had they had outright lied about a family and said that they had uh, like had a coming out party for their trans toddler. But it wasn't that. It was never that. They were having a coming out sort of celebration for their 15-year-old. Uh, but this this uh, account literally just put up this lie that said that the thing was for the toddler when it never was. Um, they didn't take down the lie. But what they did have in their immediate replies was um, like a pulse asking people if uh, gender ideologues should be able to adopt. Um, and like... <laughs> Their lie. That's a funny. Yeah. That's a funny question to ask. Yeah, th their lie was the real ideology. Their lie was the real ideologue in this instance because it's like, 
you know, maybe this family like did some sort of brainwashing indoctrination on the 15 year old. I doubt it. But like the the true brainwashing and indoctrination happens when they lied about it and left their lie up. Who runs that organization that tweeted that? I'm not exactly sure, but what I will say is that I'm going to be looking into all these organizations. We know who runs Libs of TikTok, and that's also basically a cancer organization that, like, completely distorts facts and reality and only tweets the absolute negatives about trans people. It's not about Libs or TikTok anymore. It's just anti-trans and anti-LGBTQ. Um, you know, I think and a all lot of these organizations are literally, terms. like, intelligence. Like, yeah like deep state intelligence that put that stuff out there every once in a while, you'll find a smoking gun that it'll explain that this is what they're doing as a sting operation, but it's not a sting operation. They're not, they're not doing anything with it, but spreading lies hey. and yeah. And conflict. Michael, yeah. And Michael Knowles of the daily wire recently saying he wants to like eradicate uh, transgenderism from public life at uh, CPAC and getting a massive round of applause and then getting defended by all his other Daily Wire flunky cronies like Matt Walsh, who says that 16-year-old girls are adults who should be able to be impregnated, and who says that uh, the Catholic Church, uh, which had the Vatican City age of consent at the age of 12 for the longest time, not making that up, um, that Catholic Church doesn't have a pedophilia problem. He promises it's a gay priest problem. Um, you know, instead of saying that there's a systemic issue here, he would rather say, no, it's just the gays. We'll just blame the gays, even though Vatican City said 12 was fine for the longest time. We'll blame the gays. That'll be that'll solve the problem, you know, and all of these people are just like flunkies for the establishment. And they will all like tote this right wing line because they can get a large amount of reactions online, and when they do get censored, they can claim, see, they're in control. It's not because I broke terms of service by calling for eradication or vengeance against trans people. It's because I'm being oppressed. And that's that's yeah. like the PSYOP angle for me. Like, I think that they intentionally injected as much right-wing populism, in, like extreme right, and the worst type of right-winger, not like the sane, rational person, not like the Christian who reaches out in love, but the hateful, bigoted statist. Um, I think, I think so that first, they will pervade culture. I think, yeah, I think what they did first was they took it too far on the left. So they put a lot of stuff out there about, and, I, and I'm sure these, a lot of these stories are true, about teachers who will help, will be... I don't know if they foster or what they do that they do behind the parents back with minors to encourage, I guess, transgenderism or whatever, whatever the stories are where teachers and schools are doing things without the parents consent directly with minor children. It's inappropriate and it will make you crazy. I mean, even just the indoctrination that's in the, the content is, will make you crazy. The stuff that's on TikTok will make you crazy as a parent. And at a certain point, and I think they mean this to happen, and it's definitely going to happen, and I guess it has to happen, is you 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 can't really continue to be uh, just a pure voluntarist ancap and and expect that that solution will happen in time. So you've got kids, you've got teenagers in school. Can you say, well, in a voluntary society, this wouldn't be happening. 
let's work towards voluntary society. Well, by the time you you make any progress or, or even if you do, if you make absolutely steady progress step by step, your kids out of your house by the time it's going to affect them. So people I think feel very disempowered and frustrated and, and they're not necessarily people who are super used to discerning between the like strict ethical principles of a political viewpoint and what's actually happening. And they need to stop it and control it. So then you have that emotional reaction. You have a solution that says, like Donald Trump would say, like, I will take action. I don't care about your idea I, ideology. I, you know, worry about the due diligence later. Take the guns now. So you have this, they're intentionally being driven to the point where they don't care anymore. They're like, I don't care about the values. We need to stop what's happening in the schools to my kids. And I think then once you lose the value system on both sides, that allows the government to have kind of unfettered power. And as it flips from left to right, which in my mind is totally unnatural, like what in this country to have two completely different political ideologies alternating, it, it makes it well, just it's impossible then Here's, you're going to have nothing but conflict and and eventually the government's just going to be a totalitarian technocracy, which is where we're headed. Well, here's an interesting point, though. They both serve what Rothbard would call state capitalism. They both serve fundamentally the same interests, like painting a rainbow flag on a drone bomb doesn't mean mm -hmm. it's not going to kill civilians. Yeah, right. Um, so like the idea that like the establishment adopting a veneer of like social acceptability, uh, you know, is anything other than to keep getting profit or to get a new customer base because we'll we'll accept you, we'll platform you, we'll give you representation. Peter Coffin, a communist on YouTube, put out this great video about how representation is directly just designed to keep people in line because they're yeah, represented by the system, so they see no reason to oppose it. But they're not um, really represented. It's just yeah, an no. illusion. And 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 like that's his exact point. He says democracy is the opiate of the masses. Yeah, it's it's designed to keep people like it, it keep the the money and power in the hands of those who have and keep it away from those who don't, basically. Yeah. And so it's not that um you know LGBTQ people shouldn't be allowed to exist. It's not that they should be eradicated. It's that they should realize that their enemy is the state, even if they get temporarily, you know, boosted by Amazon so that they can be exploited for a sale. Um, you know, it's not that, you know, uh, black lives don't matter. It's that if uh, Microsoft is saying it so that they can sell you a computer, you should tell them to go fuck themselves. Um, you know, the whole idea here is that, yes, like there there is a divide. But even on the other alleged side, the Democrats are still going to fundamentally serve the interests of the same state capitalists that the Republicans serve. Because the they're pharma. all right. Who's they're leading all the charge for vax mandates? I mean, well, well, Trump um, and then Biden and then Trump will again if he's here again, because Trump it, like he had J&J &J, uh, CEO on his stage and he said he's a great guy. He had his family out there and he did propaganda runs for yeah. Johnson and Johnson. I know they and, did the warp speed, but the, I'm talking about yeah. the rank and file Democrats like people in in my world in L.A. are all for it. And it's the sure. same people who say hands off my body. So I'm just saying like this kind because to me, it looks like from my point of view, a lot of this culture stuff, all the real irrational, contradicting, gaslighting, emotionalism, 
it's really targeted at young adults, teens, maybe parents of those people. And, and you can, they're like this whole, like paying for kids to go to college and then they go and do these ridiculous activist stunts and everything with, and never having, never having had to put the rubber to the road of production and consumption. Like they don't understand like the work that comes out of their hands is what puts food in their mouths. They're so disconnected all the way up to like they're 21 or something. And they don't understand, like they are the people who are saying around here anyway, they're spouting literally communism and at the same, and also like hands off my body, like abortion rights, reproduction rights, whatever they want to call it. And then also, you know, freaking out that you're not following vax mandates or that, you know, they should give out free vaccines and they're not free. It's the government paying. It's not like, it's not like big pharma is, is like, everybody's in a complete panic because this is an unbelievable pandemic and the world will end if we don't do it right now. And we're just going to give all this stuff away. It's like, no, they're paying a hundred dollars, mm-hmm. you know, however much it is that it's just, it's just a transfer. It's just forcing you to pay taxes to transfer to big pharma and force you as a consumer to buy the product. I mean, that to me is fascism. Absolutely. Uh, right. violent fascism. And these are the same people who think they're communists. You just, you have to, the, the, and that's where the whole democracy thing is a problem because they, it's, it doesn't just keep them, you know, maybe it keeps some people in line because they think they're being represented, but that seems to be coming to an end. But those people are actually going out there casting these weird, crazy, contradictory votes where, you know, they're in this basket. Maybe they're not the basket of deplorables, but the basket of irrationals. And they and uh, so I, I feel like that there's a lot of of that going into the this whole like, yeah. uh, you know, psyop. Well, and, and like additionally to that, so. My my normal response to anything involving, you know, the school system and what, quote, they are teaching the kids um, is that, A, uh, like, and, and this is where I can get controversial, the most common form of genital mutilation done to children is circumcision. Circumcision, yeah. And, and like, conservative Christians aren't willing to give that up, but they're totally willing to target trans people for violence and eradication because they won't stop mutilating genitals. And I understand that it's not quite the same thing, but it is much more common by a huge magnitude. And it happens to more people for more of the time and with much more social acceptance, especially in right wing circles. I think that. And no consent. Right. And like, because that was part of the thing is like the Bible, the whole point of circumcision is that you were an adult and you were making the choice to get circumcised to make sex less pleasurable as part of chastity. It wasn't supposed to be for babies. You, it's sort of like, you know, infant baptism. Like, you can't baptize an infant. That Baptism is about, like, saying you're turning your life over to God. It's not about, like, you know, I'm doused in water before I know what water is. So I'm following your ideology, I understand, or your logic. I understand that. But I'm Catholic, and I circumcised. I had my son circumcised because my sister was a NICU nurse, and she was like, yeah. that's more sanitary. I mean, I, I didn't think that hard about it at the time because I didn't actually know enough to think about certain medical norms that I would now think differently yeah. about. Um, baptism as a as a parent, you know, Catholics baptize infants. And I I 
I do it. I, I'm, I'm on board with it. It's fine with me. And I understand what you're saying. That's what we have confirmation for, uh, that you are making, taking that step. I mean, you know, I'm not, I, well, I don't put the kind of time and effort and mind thought into questioning the, the sacraments and stuff of the church as I do on some of the political stuff well, that you're talking about. Well, what I'll say is that I don't mind if you do that, like the the baptism. I do mind circumcision for like a variety. Yeah, of reasons, my father but... did ask me not to do that, but my first son had Down syndrome, yeah. and there are definitely some issues, like a lot, a lot of issues there. And and then once I did that, I I didn't really think twice about like making well, it consistent in my family. But uh, but my father did ask me. He was like, "That isn't, you know, that's not right." He also well, asked me not to get a marriage license. <laughs> He was like, and you I, shouldn't add a social security card. And I'm not here to judge you, by the way. What I'm yeah, saying no, it's is, fine. what I'm saying, I just is don't that, want people to think that I am agreeing with you. I'm not agreeing with you because I have a different uh, belief system and I don't always scrutinize every single thing, but I follow your logic is all yeah. I wanted to, you know, I wanted to validate that without well, owning it as my own belief or misrepresenting myself. And then another like aspect of it is if a parent doesn't like what their kid is being taught in school and isn't willing to pull their kid out. Yeah. To me, that's a reflection of hypocrisy. Like I have or cowardice, uh, cowardice or compromise. I mean, there's a lot of. I mean, I sent my kids to a super, super tiny Catholic school, but they want to go to college, and I am not. You know, I really, I have to seriously think about that because I feel like they, they're intellectuals. They want to. One wants to go to law school. One wants to go to business, medical school. I'm like, you know, it would be nice to have. The, that on your side in the, in this world in the future yeah. with somebody you could trust, but you the compromises are tremendous in that you have to subject that to the indoctrination and will they survive it? Will their well, minds survive it? Well, my thing is this: I'm much more opposed to the like general state grooming that happens mm-hmm. um, as a, a student, regardless of gender. Like I. Pre- Praying to a flag. That's what the Pledge mm-hmm. of Allegiance is. Mm-hmm. Um, you Pre- know, yeah, pledging allegiance, swearing that you will be loyal to that thing and what it represents, to me, always, always seemed not yeah. right. And like, one nation under God, win. And also, one nation with liberty and justice for all, it's not even one nation. We're more divided than ever. There's less liberty and justice than ever. And suddenly, like, we're supposed to, like, give this pledge the same weight and kids can't consent. So they can't consent to the Pledge of Allegiance either. So but the, 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 the state loves to prey on kids. That's why they have recruiters going to school. That's why they have uh, all these sorts of programs. The trans stuff yes, is happening to such a strict minority of kids. But either way, even if that's something somebody opposes, my solution is uh, sort of fourfold. Pull your kids out of school, um, put them in a whatever educational environment or unschooling environment you want them to be in, actually have the time of day to properly parent kids so that they can, you know, have the like upbringing you want. Stop letting devices parent kids because that's a huge epidemic where people just like they'll give an iPad to a six year old and that six year old be raised on YouTube kids learning whatever YouTube kids wants to teach them that day about the variability of positioning of uh, various like beloved franchise characters in terms of sex and fetishes, um, then they'll like grow up in this culture of devices and like screens and their portal to other worlds rather than being grounded in this one. And 
Um, the fourth thing is that if you do those three things, if you like stop parenting with devices, if like you take your kids out of school, if you put them where you want them to be, um, then the fourth thing that can happen that will make the left very happy um, is you can abolish the Department of Education. Oh, yeah. um, and that'll get rid of 92% of student loans immediately because 92% of student loans are to the federal government. The Department nice. of Education owns 92% of student loans. So if you want to forgive student loans, sure, let's get rid of the Department of Education entirely and uh, like give, give families back their children so that people can start to engage in more community-based efforts of mutual aid parenting. For a while there, every single Republican president since I think Jimmy Carter established the Department of Education had promised to abolish it. Like that was a standard campaign promise. Mm -hmm. And that was another thing my father said, like they always, always do that. So or do you witness the, the like you where did you come up with this list? Have you seen it in action? Is that your plan? Like I just because it's. It is, it is making a, so you're making a decision to baptize your kid, make, not you, but I've made a decision to baptize my kids. I made a decision to circumcise, have my son circumcised, but um, you are making decisions for them. So if I told my kids, you know, if I pulled them out of school, if I um, disconnected them from the electronics, if I told them they couldn't go to college or I wouldn't pay for it. I'm well, making a decision for them. Like I would love for them to take the money that we were going to spend on their college and buy a farm. But I, you know, I also feel like you're making a decision for them. That's pretty permanent. And, and it may be that you have to actually figure out how to work within the world rather than it's called the Benedict option in Catholicism. Like you just, you're going to completely disconnect from the world. And I just don't know if, if you well, are neutralizing yourself, neutering yourself forever in that way and well, your that's, generations. That's not directly what I'm recommending. So when I say don't parent your kids with devices, what I'm saying is take yes, away I their devices. Yeah, okay. um, I'm saying take a more active role in parenting kids because they're home, because they're closer to you, because yeah. they're not at school. Yeah. Um, what I'm saying is that the devices can still be used if you want, like if, if your kids want to use the device, but if you give them enough interesting things to do, they'll want to use those less. Because yeah, kids I oftentimes totally they're using that. devices as an escape. So my kids in this little Catholic school I sent them to, they they weren't allowed to have phones. My kids didn't have phones until they left that school in seventh and eighth grade, uh, mm -hmm. or ninth grade, whatever it was. And it was great. And I and I do I do you know, I feel conflicted. Like I kind of wish I had kept them there, but a, a lot of those kids you know, they, they do. I mean, I, I understand what you're saying. It's, it's, it's difficult. It's difficult to carve out your own path. I have to say it's, it's very difficult to compromise because kids ask for it. It's like, you think that you're going to never give your kids sugar and, or you're not going to make your kid like a certain kind of grilled cheese or whatever, but you do because they ask for it or like, like with a grilled cheese or whatever, you make what they will eat. You do, you cannot, you can make them what they will not eat all day long. And then I'm saying you have to kind of change your community. So, which is right. fine, which is why I picked that community for my, I was like, I know that it matters their environment. If I want to impart to them my values, I can't have the whole world against me. I mean, it was, it, it was an uphill battle. And when I had to make the decision about high school, because this, this high school really is, that was a continuation of that school. They don't really you know, the, the goal seems to me to be less, 
of sending kids to college, which is okay with me. But again, you're making that decision. And then very quickly, like after I kind of mainstreamed the kids in high school, I mean, that culture was overwhelming. And and then of course, when you make that decision, again, there's really no turning back. These things are, are you know, they're not simple. They're not right. simple. Well, but then, so if you, if you abolish the Department of Education, they no longer have the stranglehold that they do on. Yeah, it's unconstitutional education. anyway. It right. violates the 10th Amendment to have a Department of Education. And like they they wouldn't have the stranglehold that they do on like the higher education. Yes, yes. Because everything. The whole yeah, I agree. Because tuition prices are jacked up. Tenure is insane. Um, the like benefits packages and and like sports things for colleges are insane and universities are insane. All of these things that that are like the direct result of the Department of Education and its meddling. And that's the reason yeah. the Department of Education uh, get, ho hooks kids while they're young in the public school system and tells them that once you get done with this indoctrination, you can get more yeah. indoctrination so that you can go uh, be a pawn in the state capitalist machine later on. Yeah, I absolutely don't believe in college loan subsidies at all. Like at well, all, like if they, they, they're just subset They're The only good they do is to get you a degree in something that does not have commercial value, because right. if it had commercial value, you could just pay for it with a regular loan. Yeah. You know, and, you or, or, or a corporation like this is the way it used to be my family. I'm the youngest of nine. These, my older brothers and sisters would work as a secretary or whatever. One of my sisters worked at a secretary in a pharmaceutical company and she went to school at night, which they paid for. She went for years and, and she ended up being a pharmaceutical chemist and she had to work for them for a certain number of years, kind of like the army does. And if not, she'd have to pay them back, but she never paid them back. And she rose the ranks and she was extremely uh, successful, but it was just, the, it was just the company in our town. <laughs> you know, she just went yeah. and got a job and there would be lots and lots of companies like that. If or I, I feel like you could just offset the, um, if you had that surplus from not giving college loan subsidies, you could have a zero corporate tax rate, which I actually am in favor of because it's people who pay taxes. Some person is paying a ta the tax, right? So the corporation, corporate taxes just mask who's paying that tax. If you have a zero corporate taxes, then you can have an influx of corporations even from around the world where you have them actually coming to you and bringing you that work, they will educate the people. So you were saying how government infiltrates the schools, corporations infiltrate the schools too. Like when you hear this mm -hmm. free community college, a lot of that is about um, IBM coding and stuff. Like IBM mm -hmm. has a specific program within community colleges. They want people to go to high school and community college right. kind of at the yeah. same time. And then they have the coding thing that they're not the only ones, but they're the only ones whose name is on the top of it. There are a lot of these other programs that are government subsidized. And to me, I'm like, the government's just subsidizing, getting your kids not only to become coders that the corporations don't have to pay for it, but, uh, it, it directs them to be coders. It directs them to be coders. And, and that to me is super insidious, but you don't, people don't see it as the corporate hand. And, you know, it's all, it's, it, it, it's that corporatism, that, that corporate crony capitalism. It's, it's a fascist socialism that no one could, no one I think could get behind if it were called by its right name. Well, and, and that's the thing is that like, if we like had colleges and universities 
that didn't depend on this statist track because they weren't funded by it and they weren't encouraging it, um, then if your kid wanted to go to college and university, it would be a lot more likely that the college and university would have programs that would actually be conducive to a meaningful, worthwhile career. It's awful. Yeah, totally. And yeah, I agree. And that's the thing that the state doesn't care because the state is running state capitalism, it's yes. running fascism. Like every time they've tried to say communism, it's always been in order to point at some other country and blame them for our problems. Communist <laughs> Russia is why we work yeah. with the Nazis. Communist Russia is why we work oh, with the totally. Taliban. Communist Russia, this, that. Um, we worked with the know. communists too. Yeah, well, and so the whole thing there, I think ultimately the state wants people to be funneled into one of two options uh, at all times, a false binary that never really, like, you know, diverts from the moderate right positions that benefit the current uh, capitalists in America. And that's why the Americans were willing to work with the Nazis during World War II, Ford, IBM, uh, like GM, fucking all of that stuff. I'm reading this book and I I brought it here because I thought you might find it interesting. It's called- check it out. Yeah, the Milner-Fabian Conspiracy, how an international elite is taking over and destroying Europe, America, and the world. And it's, um, I wonder how you pronounce this guy's name. I want to call him Juan Retu. And uh, he's a gentleman scholar, as they used to call him. It's called, he's an independent historian and researcher. They they used to call him a gentleman scholar, like Oswald Spengler, I think was a gentleman scholar. So it's incredibly chock full of documentation of the of the who and the whys and the hows of Anglo-American cooperation with both communists and fascists. And it's really amazing, like how far back it started. It's just amazing to see it laid out what the hidden hand is there. It's very plain. Well, and you know, that sounds like the, uh, the Anglo-American establishment. Yes. He draws on that. Yeah. That's a Quigley book. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I I promoted that book in uh, in a list of suggested books yes. to uh, uh, to to read a while back, um, and I think that's one of the people that actually responded. I'm not sure, but the uh, the general thing is that like, you know, my my view is that they did all of this so that they could intentionally divide people and so that they could create extremists that they could use as examples of why we need war, of why we need more police, of why we need more intelligence uh, operations, of why we need more internet control, of why we need more censorship, of all of these things. Because authentically, they're a threat. They're a threat because the US government and uh, many, you know, sort of affiliated institutions uh, created that threat. Like Michael Knowles is outright calling for eradication. And I don't care that he's saying of ism. That no, that doesn't matter. And he knows it doesn't matter. He knows what he's saying when he says he wants to eradicate transgenderism. It's the same sort of language that Hitler used before, like, you know, Kristallnacht, when he was like opening up the degenerate degenerative art museum, when he was like labeling all these people and saying that we have to eradicate them. This is this is exactly the same thing repeating itself. And what's funny is that we're getting the same sort of rhetoric repeating itself right around the same time as the last World War uh, setup was the previous like century. So the previous century had this massive World War set up in a basically exactly the same way. And if you ask me, the 
history is rhyming, except this time they're testing a bunch of new technology and new weapons like AI, like CBDC, like all of these new technologies that they're using for ramping up control, facial recognition, um, you know, one ID for everything, one sign in. You know, all of these things are being added to the mm -hmm. list of ways that they can control people. Global but they need entry. To, yeah, but they need to test that. And they need wars to test all of their yes. new technology. Yes, yes. They did a so, lot of that, like with prosthetics and stuff uh, in the Iraq war. That always freaked me out. So Very clear they made a lot of scientific advancements at the expense of human bodies. Yeah, and like same with the like the MK and associated programs, Artichoke, Bluebird, all See, of that sort of thing. Yeah, now I'm thinking about it. All the prosthetic advancements that came out of Iraq, that's cyborg stuff. Yeah. And of you course know, that's now transhumanism. And of course now we're like and that's the thing. I'm more I'm more concerned about transhumanism than I am about transgenderism. I do not care that somebody like I well, it's I a stepping stone, right? I mean it's get you used to transforming uh, your body no. I, I i don't think so and the or reason to, I, to neutralize the reproductive function perhaps well see maybe that's some people's motive but i mean i don't know i don't follow but, that too much well what, what i'll say is that there are like enough studies to confirm the existence of more than two sets of chromosomes um and there are enough studies to confirm multiple different like brain scans like that sort of confirm that certain people are or aren't you know trans um, so I, I like actually, I read a lot of studies, like every day I'm reading like at least two studies, I'll speed read them with a speed reader and yeah. I'll steal them using Sci-Hub. Anyone who wants to steal a study, go to Sci-Hub. What's a, what's a speed reader? I speed uh, read, but I'm not as, I don't have a, so, I like, wouldn't mind a little help. <laughs> you know, Clockwork Orange, how they like yes. cut his eyes open and focus. Yes. Yeah. Well, this is like that only it's voluntary. And you like, you look at this line on the screen and it like shows you one word at a time right. or like okay. two words. Interesting. Yeah. And you'll like, just keep your eyes fixed on this section. Yeah, interesting, you, nice. You'll be able to read yeah. a whole thing like very quickly. My mm -hmm. my current speed of speed reading is 1500 words a minute. Wow, um, how's that even possible? Well, because it screws it into your brain. Once you get used yeah. to just like passively hmm. info sponging, you can get mm -hmm. a lot of info. So I'll do that with like routinely with studies. And I've read enough studies to know that, like, there's a significant amount of proof for transgenderism. I didn't, I, I don't just believe things. I'm not, like, one of those, you know, yeah. believe X I've met, person I've thing. met children that you can, I mean, I, I definitely have always thought that you could be born that way because I've met people yeah. who were. That's Yeah. So, like, my, my old deal is, I'm... I, I understand that it's possible with some people. I understand that for some people it's probably predatory. Um, but that's true with literally everything. And for me, transhumanism is fundamentally predatory. And I don't really see a way around that. Um, so, like, transhumanism moving us toward the technocratic dystopia. Elon Musk and his Neuralink program. <laughs> I know. <laughs> because his Neuralink program. He's a hero to some people. It's the craziest thing. Yeah. And, and see, here's the thing about the Neuralink is that it's a chip attached to wires in your brain, right? That's the input-output mechanism. So it's a chip, and it's on the outside of your, your skull, um, and it's, like, externally accessible so you can change batteries and shit, right? So this chip that's on the outside of your head, it's wirelessly connected to something that actually does the interfacing. And that thing that actually does the interfacing is probably, like, a smartphone app or something. And so, like, with that information and with the fact that Elon Musk said that using 5G chip technology, um, the 
the uh, uh, Teslas could be remotely like stopped and uh, like observed. To me, that just means that he's giving his Starlink uh, capability the ability to remotely access people's brains. Um, and that to me is one of the most significantly threatening things that I've ever conceived. Um, especially since Elon Musk is a massively censorious lying hack. Like if, if at best. Yeah. Like for the past two days, uh, some, some, uh, LGBTQ friends and, uh, and I have been testing things and some, uh, some sort of non LGBTQ people who were also interested in testing these things. And what we were testing is what words are now being blocked on Twitter. And there are lots of words. You can't say queer. You can't say gay. You I've had some, I had jerk blocked. Yeah. I, I, I mean, that's just kind of nuts. Yeah. Well, and th the whole deal there for me, Elon Musk wants information control. Elon Musk wants uh, control of your brain. Elon Musk wants the keys to the kingdom in so many varieties, and he's got government backing. And that's the standard transhumanist outlet, as far as I can see. People like Elon Musk. So for me, transhumanism is the fundamental evil, and I would much rather oppose that than any trans person. And one of the things that he's been doing to increase the divide is saying that it's not okay to you know, have discussions promoting LGBTQ, but it's a, totally okay to talk about being straight, cis, heterosexual, <laughs> all of that stuff. He's been supporting transphobic accounts and helping them blow themselves up, you know, like, you know, posting under their account with his millions of followers and getting them a mm, bunch of positive attention. Wow, and, that's and, interesting. And he's been doing all this stuff while also, uh, like, demanding know your customer details. Uh, to access more and more Twitter elements. Anybody who knows cryptocurrency knows you don't attach your government ID or your credit card to things you want to stay anonymous or be free about. So if you don't want your speech to be free, use Twitter the way he's starting to say it should be used. Get your blue check mark because you gave them a government ID or a credit card and you will be so much less free. And so once he gets all these people riled up for this particular direction, once he helps enhance the divide and uh, point them at a legitimate victim class that's being legitimately threatened with eradication, once he does all of that and violence actually happens, guess what? All the people who encouraged it now told the government exactly who they were. During the January 6th thing, uh, people posted on Parler. Parler was a poorly designed WordPress clone. And what it was, was it was a WordPress install uh, where the like EXIF data, the uh, metadata, was still attached to pictures. So when they went to the Capitol, they post all these selfies. They said, I'm here, I'm doing all this awesome. We're rebels, aren't we? No, you weren't. You're not fucking rebels. Um, you're doing this, you're posting all these images, you told the government who you are, and Parler did something excellent in the same regard. They demanded a government ID to DM people. And then they required a government ID to post links. And then they required all these sorts of things where if you wanted to use basic features, show us your papers. Papers, please, if you want to use basic features on Parler. And so all of these things created this environment. They created this environment where uh, people were gradually giving up more and more information to the state, and the state was gradually getting more and more powerful. Um, and that's what Elon Musk is doing. That's what so many of these people are doing. Attach your lives to your like opinions. And um, 
generally speaking, all of these things resulted in uh, a technocratic society where China is like, they have your socials attached to your stuff. They use a social credit system. And now we're connecting our like social media to our finances as well, all around the same time as CBDC is rolling out, the central bank digital currency. Like all of this associated with ID2020, universal ID, all of this associated with a cashless future, privacy free. And if you ask me, they want people to attack trans people and other minorities because it's a lot easier to control these people if you muscle them into the new dystopia while claiming to be on their side. Yes, it's definitely a trap and a setup. It's a setup because they lure you into their world and then they it's i'll give you an example so i had a wordpress site and i had it for seven years i put a lot of stuff on it and there was this crazy story where a picture of one of the victims of s hook i don't want to get you taken off of youtube so uh, sandy hook if that yes, gets us okay. taken off youtube then fuck them it might what he used to so so anyway so they they showed this picture from there and it, a Pakistani mom was holding it in front of the Pakistani school massacre. And the BBC was reporting on that kid in that picture as having a different name from the name he had at Sandy Hook. And he um, it was just crazy. So I. I did a blog post that just said this is crazy. I didn't even I knew it was like hot, too hot to handle. So I just was pointing it out to people. And one thing led to another. And I got really led down. They said, don't take it down. They said that the. the Sandy Hook dad wants you to take it down, but we don't want you to take it down because you have fair use and this is WordPress and we defend people and here are the cases we've done. So I didn't take it down. And a week later, my entire thing was obliterated and I just like never recovered from that. But I feel like they will lure you in. They will get you to identify who you are. They wanted to get rid of the people who recognize that anomaly, who would send a, who would speak out about it who weren't afraid of that they got people to self-identify across the board and then they cut us off at the knees a lot of people went down that time that you know alex jones got a lot of press for being a victim of that at that time but mm -hmm. i remember jay dyer and american everyman like a lot of people that um i felt were you know in the same boat as i lost and it hurt and some people never recovered from that so I th I am always cautious when something gets a lot of press, like, you know, get onto parlor or go to January 6th or whatever, that it could be a setup. And especially mm -hmm. when it involves identifying yourself as believing something or having certain characteristics or, I mean, I even think that high level assassinations happen that way. I feel like Joan Rivers was assassinated. I think Anthony Bourdain was assassinated. I think that people who were clear that they were going to speak out on certain issues or could not, were absolutely never going to compromise what they said. Just they can't be tolerated. And there are a lot of other examples. Those are probably the two most controversial things I could, well, examples I could possibly give. It, but I, I feel like you said controversial one. Yeah. Michael Jackson. Um, because Really? Yeah, because here's the thing. Michael Jackson was never duly convicted of anything he was accused of. The media right. convicted him, but the media will convict anyone if they can get them on the tabloids and sell more copy. Um, 
Michael Jackson was starting to speak out against war, the prison industrial complex. Really? Uh, Hollywood in general. He was starting to say that they want people on drugs. He was he, he released a song, one of his like one of his later albums called Blood on the Dance Floor had a song against uh, like opiate use. Um, and really? It was, yeah. And it was a song of get, telling people to get like clean and sober, to stop dying, to like, you know, be there for their friends and family instead of, you know, succumbing to this stuff. And then suddenly all these allegations start coming out. He's not supporting sex, drugs, and rock and roll. He's telling people to get clean and oppose war and police brutality, saying they don't care about us. And then suddenly he's got all these allegations. I wonder why. And none of them were ever proven. None of them. And suddenly he's dead. And people like the world around celebrated because, oh, the pedo died. But nobody could prove that he was that. And also... Um, the general vibe in that regard, his doctor uh, was sketchy, to say the least. And there are a lot of people among us who believe that his doctor was slowly poisoning him. Um, and I won't say uh, that I am one of those people, and I would never <laughs> spread a dangerous conspiracy theory like that. But what I will say is that it's very convenient that suddenly once this figure was speaking out against all of the stuff that Hollywood wanted to encourage that the government wanted to encourage, he suddenly axed. I wonder why. You know, it couldn't possibly because they were trying to clean up a mess. It couldn't possibly be because he was, like, you know, recognizing the system for what it was, and they couldn't have some the, 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 the king of pop saying, hey, uh, as a popular message, uh, the system will destroy you, jail you, and murder you in war. Um, it couldn't possibly be, be because he was using his massive platform to speak out against those things when they needed to do things like the bombing of Kosovo, the highway of death, the uh, Al-Shifa pharmaceutical bombing, all these sorts of things. Um, like, it couldn't be that. It has to possibly, it has to only possibly be that he was just some sicko who they could destroy. Yeah, I, I didn't know that about him. I did. I, I always think that that Dave Chappelle stand up is so funny because I think he says, like, I met OJ and, you know, there's no doubt in my mind. And, he, and then he was like, but, you know, what about Michael Jackson? Like, he might be like, what? That is what? What are people saying about me? It's like it, he says it in a joking way, but it gets you to think, you know, you're like, wow, uh-huh. maybe. But I didn't know that Michael Jackson, he I, I didn't feel like I wasn't aware of anything any political stand he was taking, I was not. It did not was not on my radar. Well, if you want a, a depressing time, uh, listen to uh, fucking. Uh, they don't care about us. Um, this uh, ideally the prison mix because it goes harder. Um, and then like you can also watch the uh, the music video if you want depressing visuals to go along with it. And then listen to Morphine on Blood on the Dance Floor. And you'll hear two like sides of Michael Jackson that nobody else will tell you about. Because Morphine, first off, it's basically industrial. And industrial is my favorite genre, so I'm biased anyway. But um, the general thing about Morphine was it's telling it from the perspective of a Morphine user and talking about the tragedy of drug use and saying that this, you know, I sympathize with you. Stop doing what you're doing. It's hurting you and everyone around you. And that's what he was saying. He was yeah. like, he was saying they're going to feed you to prison. They're going to feed you into a war machine if you if you let them control you like this. 
control yourself and don't let them bring you down. And then suddenly he has allegations. I wonder why. Yeah, I mean, that is definitely not a message that the establishment wants, that drugs are such a currency of power and such a source of money and a way to keep people down. So earlier you were saying they want to keep the money and the power at the top. And I would say it's not just that they take the money and the power at the top, but by absorbing your surplus, they absorb your time, your effort, your mind, you know, your ability your to to you know, to, to really understand things, to think about things properly, you need some time and space and just working around the clock to in high tax brackets and inflationary environments. It's really, I mean, I know it myself. Like I, you know, I had a daily show of just hitting the news and just trying to cover the daily news every day. I couldn't think more deeply about anything. I didn't have time to read books. Like it's just, it is, it's not just that they, you know, what people normally think of as the money and the power at the top, but what it actually, how it neutralizes you as a political actor. Yeah. Well, and, and like it also, cause the thing is I've been defending the left a lot on this show today and I defend them a lot as well. I, like at Agoras and Exus, we uh, like support an ideology that's like uh, anarchy, but like counter economics and it's, you know the 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 original like progenitor of this whole thing, Samuel Edward Conkin the third. He started the movement for the libertarian left, and the whole point was to sort of create unions between libertarian leftists like mutualists and cons, syndicalists and uh, agorists. I think Rothbard was open to that kind of thing too. Yeah, originally, yeah, and yeah. He, and he was speaking out against state capitalism in the seventies as well. He uh, he had this entire thing about like if we're going to call ourselves ANCAPs, we're the alternative to what kind of capitalism? Yeah. Oh, right, state yeah. capitalism. Uh, that's right. the thing a lot of ANCAPs don't like you to say because they like to say that an like anarchy and capitalism are the same, and they're like fucking not. Um, you can either say that like the long history of you know the 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 state. Uh, like everything, everything was good was because of capitalism and everything bad was because of socialism. Or you can realize that the, the, the capitalist system has used whatever means it could to get where it was and it didn't need like any sort of ethical guidance. So ANCAPs should be the ethical like sort of alternative to this sort of lack of ethical guidance. But like the reason I said all that was because like one thing I say that pisses off so many leftists and post-leftists and all this stuff. Hey, you you like Marx, right? He said religion is the opium of the people, right? Well, you know what else is opium? Opium. <laughs> yes, and so, definitely. like, maybe if you're going to say that, you know, we shouldn't be religious because it dulls the mind, don't dull your mind. Stop being alcoholic. Stop doing free drug use. Stop being hedonistic and seeking pleasure as your primary mode. Move forward and move up. Rise up. You know, so like if you want to fight the bourgeoisie so bad, stop winning part of their battle for them by dulling and weakening yourself. You know, like there's there's so much like revolutionary and insur insurrectionary potential lost in the drug user. Lost oh, in the casual yes, that's consumer. what I think the 60s was all about. They're neutralizing. That's why I'm afraid of the Benedict option. And that why I thought was a possible purpose for the vax mandate is that people will voluntarily take them out of political, take themselves out of political relevance by, you know, whatever, whatever he said, like turn on, tune out, you know, whatever. Yeah, turn on, tune in, drop out. Yeah. 
So, and I, and I feel that way. My husband likes the Grateful Dead and I try, I'm like, you know, I really feel like they were there to get everybody on acid. <laughs> you know, they, they didn't make it big. They weren't about selling albums. They were about getting you there and giving you acid. And also like the Benedict option. And, uh, you know, I think the homesteading is absolutely critical. I mean, we have to keep, you know, equal rights for chickens and we have to keep our chickens, you know, chickens, water rights. Like we have to, we have to pay attention to that. The more people who are engaged in it, the better, but we also have to, I think that it's not great when, you know, if that's a way of checking out, which is great for you. Like, I think if you need that, like if you are just so disgusted by the world that you absolutely cannot engage in it, I don't blame you at all. You don't owe it to anybody. But if you're worried about the world, like I am, like, I think a great thing to do is to engage in those activities, but continue to monitor how policies are changing and assert your rights to the very edges. Because, it's easy to neutralize yourself politically. And there are, I, I would say like, you know, registering is a trap, uh, you know, dulling your senses is a trap. And actually, um, I, you know, I, I, of course, I'm against the drug war and there's no, like a government does not have the right to take away from me what God gave me, which is a weed growing in my backyard. I mean, it's just ridiculous. People think that gun rights are a thing, but not necessarily drug rights. Drug rights grew out of the ground from God. You know, marijuana grows out of the ground from God. Cannabis. Seed bearing herb. Yes. And and it's just, you know, you, there's absolutely no cause for getting rid of that. However, or banning that. However, when I saw that Colorado years ago changed their law, I was like, there, there had to have been a reason for that. And then I noticed that George Soros gave $4 million to that cause. And I thought, well, he probably like at, at, in the trade-off between government money and, uh, you know, whatever the currency of power and all of that there, there's a trade-off at some point. If you can get everybody to be high, they will be a more complacent group. And I, I feel like that is part of the, you know, legalizing marijuana, not to mention that first they made it a medical registry, you know, first mm -hmm. they made you give you a license. And then in Hawaii, they actually tried to use that to forfeit gun rights. Yep. And they're using that everywhere too. Like, and not just then, like also like, you know, register as a, as a psychologically like compromised person, you know, go to your shrink, tell them you have all yeah. these issues so that they can give you a diagnosis and then you won't be able to have a gun either. Yeah. Like, and so there's a lot of that. That could be yeah. the reason why they're promoting mental illness. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. Like, that's the reason I don't like any of this sort of divide and conquer garbage. That's the reason I don't like them going after minorities. That's the reason I'm very alert to the far right stuff, because I think they directly liked the Nazis. Hitler learned his eugenics policies from America. He learned from a, like American adoption of the Prussian school system how to indoctrinate kids. He learned from American slavery that you can in, like enslave entire groups of people and put them in work camps. That's what the plantations were. Hitler learned from America, and America has always been basically Nazis. But like you can't say that because America fought the Nazis. Don't you? You hate freedom. <laughs> no, the Nazis hate freedom, and so do the people who helped ratline them out of Germany. Like, so I think that they injected as much of like the entire like thing there. They injected as much right wing stuff uh, into all of their like stuff that they could keep people divided, but kept it progressive enough 
that they could then use uh, the divide that's created between the extreme right and the progressives to keep us fighting each other. And to me, I want a future of no state. I want a future of an abolished Department of Education, an abolished Department of, of, of uh, Energy, an abolished uh, you know, military industrial complex, no more Department of Defense, Homeland Security, none of that. I want no government. And we have to start gradually drawing it down. And we can't do that if we're fighting each other on the ground and calling a bunch of people who aren't groomers. And then conversely, calling a bunch of people on the other side groomers for even telling people about guns as kids. Like, there's so much, like, misuse of groomers while actual pedophiles walk free. And while the Vatican took, like, decades and decades to change their age of consent to be 18 instead of 12. You know, the the there's a significant problem here, but it's not like any one group of people like yeah a trans person recently shot up that school but you know what uh, uh christians have been shooting up schools too like five christians verified and also more christians that weren't verified like they grew up that way you know i'm not going to blame christianity for that i'm not going to blame transgenderism for that because it's divide and conquer i'm going to blame abuse mental illness that's what i'm going to blame so that's my whole thing. I think we need to unite as a people against these people, against these monsters. Well, a lot of those things I don't actually cover myself. Like I, I haven't, I, you know, I just think the culture stuff is a little difficult for me. I, I, you know, I'm just so much more of a math. You know, I like yeah. I like things to be black and white and it's hard. I've got I a love. quote because we uh, wrap with a quote. So y'all check out pre-search, check out Deep Dives with Monica uh, Perez uh, on all available podcast platforms, this is going to be there as well. Um, and we end with a quote. So, um, so where's the truth? Where does it lie? All the smoke is burning my eyes. Fear the left, fear the right. Money is power and power decides. Some are more equal than others. That's nothing more. Let them burn. Uh, Agoras Nexus out. Join the revolution starting inside An instrumental part of Agora Worldwide Agora Worldwide, Agora Worldwide Counter-economics, agorist strip Black market click, move a quick flip Can't regulate this, agorist strip Black market click, move a quick flip Can't regulate this